0: Moncrief on News Talk. As we always do on a Monday, we're going to kick things off by having a look back at some of the stories uh, from the weekend. Uh, today, our guide is the editor of the Journal.ie, Sinead O'Connell. Good afternoon, Sinead. Hi. How are you? Uh, so you want to start things on in a positive note because of the rugby and all yes. that kind of thing?
1: Uh, I was asking your producer beforehand. I was like, are we allowed to talk about the rugby in the news segment? Um, because it was the biggest thing from the weekend, you know, winning, as we have been told by all the papers over the weekend, winning a Grand Slam is not easy and you need a very good team to be able to do it. I was laughing, being like, we've definitely called that Wales team that won (laughs) the last couple of years. Not a good team, but we have to be a good team to win a Grand Slam. So um, the main takeaway I got from it is that we're allowed to talk about the World Cup. So a lot of managers are very serious about their sport, but Andy Farrell, uh, like, obviously takes it seriously and obviously is brilliant at what he does, but he allows, you know, a little bit of Fun to come in. He allows James Lowe to have fun. He allows Matt Hansen to have fun. He allows Johnny Sexton to have fun, which is, you know, another revelation from the weekend. Johnny Sexton dancing and laughing and, Mm -hmm. you know, taking uh, the blame for mistakes, which is something that we rarely see him do. So it was, uh, yeah, a kind of different vibe to an Irish rugby team that was lovely that we can now look ahead with anticipation and excitement without getting too far ahead of ourselves, Mm. you know. But it'd be nice maybe to win a quarter final, you know.
0: It what's interesting. It struck me about it was that because we were the favourites and pretty much the favourites all the way through. But traditionally, that would murder any Irish team, no matter what the sport. Where we have to be the underdogs, but suddenly we're. Whatever tra- whatever has transformed there, were comfortable with not being the underdogs. Yeah, anymore. but
1: but what I liked seeing as well is there there was nerves there. It wasn't like they were just this machine who oh, were yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, completely un, uh, Unphased, you know, unfazed but, by yeah. the whole thing. They were phased. You know, there was r- lots of nerves in the first five minutes and then after about 20 minutes, it was like, mm, some of them are still a bit nervous out there, but they were able to get it done. And I was thinking of the World Cup through this whole Six <laughs> Nations that, you know, Scotland felt like the, the quarterfinal like, there was a lot of attrition and a lot of injuries that's what happens in World Cup for- quarterfinals you've just come through the groups it's very rare that you won't have a bunch of injuries you won't have a bunch of problems that have emerged so you have to get through the quarterfinal in a kind of odd team way um, and, but then semifinals everyone who's always set, played a, a big semifinal have, have always said they're there for winning and they're the, the one you're most nervous about because getting to a final is a win in itself mm. um, so yesterday to me or Saturday to me felt a little semi semifinalish like oh we have to act. Actually, just win this, no matter what, and that's what the nerves felt like. The nerves, to me, felt like World Cup semi-final, Euro semi-final kind of vibe to it. So, I know if we think if I if you look at the Six Nations, I feel like they might have learned a lot about a quarter-final in the Scotland game, and hopefully could learn a lot about a semi-final from the weekend's game. There's yeah. my absolute optimism going into okay. the
0: World Cup. Uh, but, the, um, but the fact that it's you know it's in France, it's it's you know the, well, it's not like playing it at home, but it's you know it's, as near as damn yeah. it, it's not and the that, same as Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, anything.
1: and there would be a big crowd. It'll be, yeah, those kind of big trips won't, you know, big f- flights won't be needed. There will be a lot of pre training camps that will be a lot easier to do when they don't have to go south. Mm-hmm. Um, and Andy Farrell just seems to have them set up, you know. Johnny Sexton leaving a press conference and saying roll on the World Cup. Imagine four years ago him saying that. Like they weren't allowed utter the name of the World Cup you know. So uh, that is so hugely different. Across some of the papers today I've uh, seen two mentions of Jack Charlton in the same breath as Andy (laughs) Farrell which I think it's a bit early for that. Uh, But he does
0: seem to be really, really well liked.
1: He's so affable. He's so and has I think talks about sport in a way that he understands the seriousness of it but also understands that for people, it's escapism. It's the joy. Like for a lot of people, like the joy of their year is in the Six Nations or, or whatever their equivalent sport is. So I think Andy Farrell understands that. Mm. Um, and then you have the family connection as well, like him hugging Own Farrell afterwards. People enjoy seeing that relatability. Like none of us can relate to being a brilliant rugby player or winning Six Nations or going to the Shelburne to yeah. <laughs> celebrate with a cup afterwards. But you can relate to a dad hugging his son after they've been on opposite sides of a of a win-lose uh, mm. drama. Yeah. So, you know, people, people like seeing that stuff and yeah. he just seems like a good sort um, in probably the same way uh, people now look back on Jack Charlton even though he was probably a bit cranky.
0: Yeah, he was no but he was probably a bit more controversial he had his critics yeah. at the time, but I'm I'm unaware of Andy Farrell having many critics at the moment. No,
1: and the thing was Jack Charlton <coughs> a lot of people criticized how he played football where it's mm. completely the opposite with Andy Farrell because he plays absolutely beautiful rugby and he lets the the guys be themselves and you know that thing where they say they are expressing their personality on the field which you know, if you think about too hard it doesn't make any sense yeah, but you know really, what people are saying when they say it <laughs> uh, so he allows all that so in that way he's very different to Jack put but obviously Englishman taking on an Irish team taking them to heights that um, seemed improbable before
0: You know, yeah uh, porrick says our pool for the World Cup is atrocious no way we'll do well out of it
1: Look, we're going to have a quarterfinal against either France or New Zealand, so it's not going to be easy if we come out of of, uh, the group. But we've beaten them both in the last year and we have some of the best players in the world and now we have a coach who knows what he's doing. They are definitely not the finished article, which is what everyone kept saying at the weekend. You know, they played badly. There's lots of room for progression we've tested out now most of our um, second player like there's the first choice 15 you need to have way more than that to get into uh, those kind of uh, matches in a World Cup so we've tested all that like people like Jack Conan coming on um, you know two hookers being taken off and being able to figure it out in the Scotland game. So, you know, we've tested a bit of the depth. um, So, yeah, I know I'm being way too optimistic and this is all going to come back and bite me, but, you know, you get to be excited for the days after. Uh, And
0: Johnny Sexton replacement?
1: Oh, like I was just talking to Matt Cooper in the lifts here in Newstalk. <laughs> he, just, he just hangs out there the whole just time, just talking to people. Uh, he he was putting his money on Jack Crowley being uh, the the number two by the time it it has probably become less important because they're. Less Ball is going through Johnny Sexton's hands and Johnny Sexton will be in the room so even if he's not playing every game his presence this is Johnny Sexton's team um, Mm. but I think they're figuring it out a way that it can still be Johnny Sexton's team without necessarily capitulating when he's not on the pitch Um, I think this Six Nations has allowed them to figure it out a bit and not necessarily saying I'd have Ross Byrne over Jack Crowley or either of them over Joey Carberry but I think it's probably less of an important question now.
0: Now Boris Johnson, another big week <laughs> for Boris Johnson. Uh, he's in uh, front of the Commons Privileges Committee. It's, it, it astounds me how much attention he still gets. Actually, even though uh, he's he's a backbencher.
1: Yeah, front pages of the uh, the uh, the papers in Britain. He is, well, he's going to have a four hour session, uh, evidence session on Wednesday. So we're going to have a lot of Boris Johnson this week. <laughs> mm. like, and we're used to getting a lot of Boris Johnson. The, there will be a lot of them this week. His his team have worked very hard to get his point of view across on all the front pages on on all the bulletins in, the, in Britain uh, today. So his uh, defence of himself is being published today. So they're publishing his written defence today and then he comes in on Wednesday for evidence in front of the Privileges Committee and they will decide whether he will be sanctioned and depending on the sanction there may or may not be a by-election. So this also becomes a big headache for the Tory party because it's going to be a free vote so the Tories are going to be deciding whether they're pro or anti Boris Johnson which can you imagine being Rishi Sunak and it, all of the conversation in your party is whether they want to be for or against? Not the prime minister that you took over from the one, the one before, one before that. that. Yeah, and so, this is all
0: about Partygate, by the way. Just in case people. Yeah. Want, yeah. So
1: um, it has been established that. The, he did break the rules, so they're not going to rehash it. They're going to try not rehash the fact that rules were COVID rules were broken. What they're going to try and hash out is whether Boris Johnson misled, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Commons. And if he misled the Commons, then he needs to be sanctioned. But he, Boris Johnson argues that he did not mislead the Commons, and he's also going to argue that the uh, committee itself is unlawful and biased. So. And the other intrigue for this, if people haven't, uh, cottoned onto it yet is Sue Gray so she was the one who wrote the report yeah, into now, all of yeah, these parties and yeah. she yeah. has now gone to Keir Starmers which has created quite the furor in uh, Westminster the fact that you know someone would jump from civil service to an actual party job and the fact that she was so well known um, at because of the the report into Partygate so uh, there's a lot of intrigue around that I think Sue Gray's name is going to be used a lot um, because it's obviously now something that Boris Johnson can really lean on Though um,
0: at the time, the the same newspapers, everyone was lionising Sue Gray as, you know, a, a totally impartial figure and, and it, straight down the line. And now suddenly she's not.
1: And she was at the time. But now the, the question marks are there. Well, was she courting that job beforehand? But she was just doing her civil service job and she was a star within the civil service mm. um, of, you know, getting stuff done. A lot of Irish connections Sue Gray has, uh, married to a Northern Irishman. Um so yeah it's uh it's a political intrigue that runs and runs and you know the the questions that all the ministers and all MPs are going to be asked today is what side of, what side of this are you on? So there'll be no future thinking in in Britain again for the next few days as they keep looking back.
0: What does he want out of it though? What's he? What can he possibly? I mean, you know, he's face saving perhaps, or he's thinking about his legacy. But yeah, that's well, about he also it. doesn't
1: obviously want to lose. Uh, he doesn't want to have to face by election, and I'm sure he'd yeah. he'd win that pretty handily. But he doesn't want to obviously have to do that. So the sanctions for him, he doesn't want to do. Also, he he didn't leave on his own terms, and I think that'll great on it on someone like Boris Johnson you know if you don't get to leave on your own terms and he feels like he had more to do or more to offer I think that's probably going to be stuck in his head Um, and it's an unusual situation you know we're kind of used to like say Enda Kenny here just doesn't kind of row into political uh, situations political arguments here he leaves he leaves the the, his uh, successors to do that whereas that has now all blown up in Britain because there's just too many of them <laughs> they're one after another
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is a good point it's not yeah. like you've
1: got to the end of your career and then you leave they're, they all still want to be involved and um, Boris Johnson has an ego and he wants to be involved so he will enjoy this week I think even during his four hour grilling
0: uh, the real controversy though over, over the weekend and I'm surprised we're only getting to this third is uh, the uh, reaction to Dancing with the Stars <laughs> which apparently was it was a total fix up according to some at least <laughs>
1: and RTE fix up yeah I heard will there
0: be a Boris Johnson style inquiry into this at some point
1: uh, there's some fantastic <coughs> pictures of Carl Mullen and his partner uh Emily Getting uh the trophy and well hearing that they won because they are so shocked like pantomime face shocked um I actually don't watch Dancing with the Stars but I've been riveted to the drama this morning because people are so upset um I I thought that the best answers didn't always win these things it's it's a mixture of the best journey the most popular and i don't know for me carl is you know we know him from breakfast uh radio lovely lovely fella uh has definitely a face that children would love and it's a real family show so the idea that people pick up their phone and and vote for him is not surprising to me um but isn't it it's a public vote isn't it it's a not? public
0: vote yeah so, so uh, but people are giving out because they think it's a, a popularity contest but if it's a public vote it's literally it, a popularity that is contest exactly what it
1: is um, i think they probably feel an orty person winning an orty show but again like if people pick up the, the phone and vote for him, that's what happens. Um, the other thing about Dancing with the Stars is it hasn't been confirmed if it's going to be on again next year. It's hugely popular. The, the viewing figures are like huge. 471,000 people watched it last week. Mm. And that wasn't even the final.
0: Uh, be expensive to make
1: though. It is extremely expensive. So this is what all the ortee sources have been telling our showbiz correspondents across the papers. It is really expensive. They do make a lot of money on the advertising but I guess probably someone counting coins in RTE say is probably thinking, could we make that advertising on the back of a show that's just a bit cheaper to make? Mm. Um, so I presume that's the calculations being made. They're going to make a decision by the summer. Um, the other part of this is obviously it's RTE. It's pu- public broadcaster. A tender does have to go out to give other production for uh, go at you know pitching a, a pitching a, a replacement for the slot.
0: Yeah, that's that's cheaper, of course, <laughs> dancing and <in> somebody <laughs> sitting. Just as room. Good
1: people will want uh, to advertise their products around, and four hundred seventy one thousand people will tune into.
0: Uh, but, but, but apparently, he wasn't the best dancer, Brooke Scullion, seemed, the consensus seemed to be, was the best dancer.
1: Yeah, but I think this is often <clears throat> happens again. The same with strictly in the, it's who the voters uh, kind of. I guess, recognise a little bit. You know, if you start off as a good dancer and then you continue to be an even better dancer, that probably doesn't light up the imagination of someone who starts off a bit flat-footed and then ends Gets up being better. able to, yeah, like, that's true. you know, pick yeah. up somebody and spin them round and, you know, do it while, like, smiling jovially. and So, yeah. Uh, How much does it make,
0: it, like, I mean, you know, there'll be a bit of controversy and, and then, you know, for a week or two there'll be, might be a bit of, problem- and then after that, you know, everyone goes back to the day job. Kind yeah. Of thing and it's kind of unimportant.
1: Uh, yeah, and probably people, it, it's a good sign for the show that people were really, like, if you look on Twitter, people were really annoyed. Yes. <laughs> so it's it's probably a good sign that That's on a Sunday That's so
0: unusual like. for Twitter. <laughs> that never happens. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, there's uh, a, a bit of a, <laughs> these are the kind of hit pieces you, you, you do kind of tend to read in the run up to it. Uh, in a, a US presidential election but apparently Ron DeSantis who you know uh, a lot of people think uh, is going to at least be running against Donald Trump for the Republican candidacy uh, he's
1: a pig when he eats. He eats chocolate pudding with his fingers with okay. three fingers so Yeah, I I couldn't really imagine that. Uh, Does it say which three fingers? (laughs) Like all on the one hand? I'm not sure. So there is a piece in The Independent kind of looking at this and going... You know, we all have weird eating habits, so we shouldn't actually judge presidential candidates on our eating habits. And we end up doing it all the time in America. So he actually runs through all of the different weird things we know about candidates in America um, because of this reporting. But it made me think about the, the way they report stuff in America is so different. So in a presidential election like they they end up going on these buses with the candidates. So the political correspondents will be on a bus with the candidates. Mm. I have been told in the past, and actually this came up uh, on a podcast recently on The Second Captains, they were talking to uh, Caitlin Thompson, who used to uh, be a political correspondent. And she said they were always hungry because while they were charged for food, like they would... You know, be brought on these buses and their paper would have to uh, give money to the candidate for food and board. She said they actually very rarely got food. So I was thinking, maybe all these food stories just happen because the journalists are starving <laughs> and they like,
0: food on the brain. Stuff in his face.
1: Uh, yeah. But then we do a little bit of it here. So, like, you know, Leah is... Uh, Instagram. Well, he he huge. asked for he that, asked didn't for he? he? Yeah. On, but like, people have been fascinated by the austere nature of his yeah. uh, lunch and things. So we probably have a little bit of here and just don't hear enough about it. Um, like yeah. we do know, Mehol Martin is extremely healthy. Um, and you know, doesn't eat chips and things like that. Is does he not? I, no, yeah. Okay.
0: So he says. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a paparazzi opportunity there. Me, old Martin, having a chip. Sinead, thanks a million for coming into us today as, as Sinead O'Carroll, there, editor at the journal.ie. Moncrief,
1: weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.